Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That, of course, is my name. And I welcome everybody who's a returning listener to the show. And if you are a newcomer and this is your first ever listen to the program, well, then welcome aboard. And, of course, if you're one of the uh, many who have signed up to become a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, well, then extra special thank you to you. I appreciate uh, your contributions each month or on an annual basis because it's even cheaper. Uh, But your support means a lot to me, and I hope that you're making uh, good use of your early access and your advance notice of all the guests that are coming on the show, and you have the opportunity to submit questions for those guests and all the other little perks uh, that are available to patrons. Get right to the question of the day this week, which I threw up on uh, Twitter earlier uh, today. As uh, today I'm speaking with you, it is uh, Friday afternoon. The question reads, the Men's World U18 start early next week down in Texas, and I'm wondering what your interest level is right now in the tournament, and is that more or less than normal uh, compared to a normal year, a non-COVID year? And I described the four options this way, uh, that you will, A, will watch every second that you can, B, you'll watch your the games that uh, involve your country, C, you might watch a bit and uh, catch the highlights here and there, or D, that you have zero interest. And uh, the uh, vote breakdown right now goes to uh, the casual fans. So 44.4% of the people who have uh, chimed in on the vote have selected the casual C, that they'll watch the highlights and maybe catch a, a piece of a game here or there. About 23% of the people have said they're diehards and they'll watch as much as they possibly can. About the same amount have uh, said they'll only watch the games or they'll watch the games that their uh, particular country is involved in. And uh, about 10% of people have said they're only NHL fans, which I'm always interested to see that uh, for people who follow me because I'm a prospect guy. But I can understand. I know that there are uh, only casual hockey fans and fans who only watch NHL games who will track down the pipeline show, especially around NHL draft time because I talk to draft-eligible players all season long. So I wanted to uh, put that question out there, and right now about just under 
50% of the people who have responded have said they'll uh, they'll watch the U18s, but in a very, very casual way. You can find that Twitter poll, surprise, surprise, on Twitter. At TPS underscore Gee is where you can track me down. Uh, some news and notes, and the biggest uh, news item of this week is the OHL has confirmed uh, there will not be a season in the Ontario Hockey League this year. Very, very unfortunate for all of those players and the coaches and the owners and uh, the sponsors, everybody around uh, the Ontario Hockey League, that it was not able to find a way to uh, to make it work. I saw a lot of uh, people on social media really coming down hard on the league uh, for this, uh, calling it a joke that they weren't able to get going. Listen, folks, uh, you cannot blame the league. Obviously, the league wants to play. If they can play, they would have found a way to play if it was possible. Um, obviously, the owners are not in this to not have a product on the ice. The players obviously want to play. The sponsors obviously want to, you know, have something to sponsor. This is not a victory for anybody that there is not an OHL season. And you can't blame any of those people because they all want to play. Uh, it's uh, I don't think you can blame the government. Government has rules to protect its citizens. If you're going to blame anybody, blame COVID. Uh, it's really unfortunate that, that there wasn't a way that it could uh, work out. Um, but uh, for some of the players, they were able to go overseas. Not many of them. Uh, other guys who, you know, the 18, 19-year-old signed guys are playing in the American Hockey League. And a guy like Phil Tomasino, Quinton Byfield, another one, they're having great seasons in the AHL. So disappointing there's no OHL. But some of those players have still found a way to have uh, some action and for their, de their development. I really feel bad for the younger guys, though, who didn't have that opportunity. Some guys will get to play in the U18 uh, starting next week, a couple of which you'll hear on the program this week on this week's episode. We'll get to that in a second. But that was the big uh, CHL news this week. Also further to that, the, there is no Memorial Cup this year and uh, no WHL playoffs either. They will finish out the regular season schedule in all four divisions, and then that'll be it. And in some of those divisions, teams might not play the same amount of games either. Uh, just as an example, in the Central with Calgary having been shut down for a couple of weeks for COVID reasons. Uh, it looks like I think the only team that was scheduled to play the full 24 games, I I, I want to say it was Lethbridge? Maybe. Edmonton will end up with 23 games played. Uh, Red Deer and around there as well, but uh, fewer for Medicine Hat and for Calgary. But at least they were able to play. I know the uh, Eastern, the seven teams in Saskatchewan and Manitoba that have all bubbled up in Regina, they're already at 21 games. Looks like they're... They're going to have a successful 24-game uh, season. Unfortunately, that's it, though, and no playoffs. I thought there might be a way that they could have divisional playoffs, and then maybe those four divisional champs would bubble it up somewhere uh, and actually produce a WHL champion, but not going to happen this year. Meanwhile, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, they are having playoffs. Very weird schedule, uh, but they are getting it done. There are three teams in New Brunswick. They're having a nine-game round robin, the winner of which will advance to take on the Charlottetown Islanders, who are just sitting there right now just waiting to see who they will play. And the winner of that will advance to the four-team final, as the 12 teams in the province of Quebec will have a traditional playoff uh, to decide three teams to send to the league championship. Very weird schedule, but, um, you know, best of what they could do out east as well. Keep in mind, Cape Breton and Halifax not even playing anymore. They're just shut down in Nova Scotia, no interprovincial travel in the Maritimes there. So end of the year for those two clubs, unfortunately. 
Meanwhile, in the USHL, this is the final weekend of the regular season, and the playoff picture is coming together, but still lots to be decided. The only thing that is 100% certain is that the Chicago Steel are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Two other teams in the East have clinched. Uh, that would be Muskegon and Green Bay, but don't know exactly what seed they'll be, and there are two other teams still trying to uh, lock up that fourth spot, Dubuque and the U.S. National Development Program. That's in the East, in the West. The only team that has clinched so far are the Tri-City Storm, but they're not a lock to be the number one seed either. Uh, Fargo still has a chance to catch the Storm. The three other teams in the hunt to make the playoffs, other than Fargo, are Omaha, uh, Sioux City, and Des Moines. So lots to be decided this weekend in the USHL. More college hockey transfer uh, portal news. And that's something that we're going to talk a lot about this week on the program. As a lot of players are jumping from one program to another. Why? Well, we'll talk about that with my first guest this week. I'll let you know who that is here shortly. Sacred Heart is picking up three players, uh, Logan Britt from Quinnipiac, uh, Dante Paleco from uh, Yale, and uh, Dakota Robb from uh, the University of Michigan, all transferring to Sacred Heart. Colorado College gets Noah Prokop from uh, Omaha. The Golden Gophers lose Nathan Burke to Bowling Green, and uh, Robbie Stucker uh, also leaves Minnesota to go to the University of Vermont to join the Catamounts. Cohen Olaszewski, Senior captain at Denver, he leaves to go to uh, Providence College. Grant Crookshank uh, goes from CC to the University of Minnesota. So shuffling of uh, players, a lot of them seniors. There's a reason for that, which my first guest this week will explain. I'll tell you about who the guest list is in a second, but a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the best beef jerky in Alberta. And it is fantastic. If you have not had some, and I need to go get some again because just opened up the fridge, saw that my stash of uh, jerky is gone. So I'm going to zip out to Spruce Grove uh, this weekend and pick up a couple more pounds of jerky. There's also the location in Leduc. Uh, either one of those uh, will uh, satisfy your craving for the uh, absolute best jerky you've ever had. And if you're in Western Canada, they'll also ship it to you. Get in contact with either location, you can find them online at Wilhock Beef Jerky. Just Google it. W-I-L-H-A-U-K is how you spell Wilhock. You'll thank me. Anybody I know who has tried it has said the same thing, that it is the best beef jerky they've ever had. Fresh, delicious. It's fantastic. Let's get to the guest list and three guests that you'll hear from this week. They're all going to join me via the Troubled Monk Hotline, which also reminds me I've still got a... Uh, a taster pack, and a few other uh, varieties uh, from my last shipment, but uh, getting close to needing a, a restock of uh, Troubled Monk, you can go to troubledmonk.com shop. Make sure you use promo code PIPELINE, and uh, you can get same-day home delivery if you live between Calgary and St. Albert, including Sherwood Park and Edmonton and all the towns in between, like Red Deer and Olds and Airdrie, uh, Lacombe, Pinoca, Leduc, all of those places. You can get same-day free home delivery if you use promo code PIPELINE. I was enjoying a juicy gossip yesterday, as a matter of fact, and uh, I think I still have a couple more cans of that. Big fan of that one. That's uh, one of my favorites that Troubled Monk has to offer. You go look at their website because the menu changes quite often. But um, bottom line, make sure you use promo code PIPELINE, and my friends over at Troubled Monk will take care of you. The guests that you're going to hear from today, we'll start with an NCAA campus report. Brad 
Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald will be my guest. We're going to look back briefly on the Frozen Four and uh, the NCAA National Tournament. Talk about some of the big surprises. Obviously, that big marathon game that featured North Dakota, the team that Brad is closest to. But sort of an anticlimactic uh, national championship game, a blowout. Uh, UMass national champs, and uh, they were the best team in that final game uh, from start to finish. We'll talk to Brad about that, but also about this portal. And if it's a good thing for college hockey, who benefits? Is it the players? Is it the teams? Also some stuff to look ahead to for next season. We've got a new team uh, entering Division One next year in St. Thomas, so we'll uh, learn all about that. Uh, then we will have back-to-back 2021 draft spotlight segments. Two guys that you need to know, they both happen to be playing for Canada at the World U18 next week. Both of them also happen to be from the OHL territory. We'll start with Brent Clark, a guy who everybody expects to be a top 10 pick. A lot of people think will be top 5. There are some who will say he'll, he's going to be a top 3, and I bet there are people who have him ranked number 1. We'll get to know Brent. Really, really great conversation. It's one of the highlight uh, draft spotlight segments so far this year. Brant Clark of the Barry Colts, defenseman, get to know him. And uh, Chase Stillman is the other player forward with the Sudbury Wolves. Hasn't played a whole lot this year. He did have a chance to go to Europe for a, about a month. He'll tell you about that and also uh, looking ahead to the World U18s. And yes, that is Corey Stillman's second son as uh, Riley Stillman in the NHL right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, but get to know Chase in the final segment today. So those are the three guests you're going to hear from on the Troubled Monk Hotline. Before we go to the first guest segment, a reminder that ProStockHockey.com is your online source for authentic ProStock hockey equipment, whether it's gloves or sticks and all the other equipment that you can have out there. Uh, visit them online at ProStockHockey.com. You can also check them out on uh, Twitter at ProStockHockey. They've just uh, revealed... Uh, they have a, a supply of Utah Grizzlies player gloves, pretty sharp with the green and the black. And they've also got uh, Overstock Warrior equipment bags from a lot of South American teams. Or Mexi uh, they have a Mexico flag on uh, one of the uh, bags. I see the flag of Brazil. So some non-traditional hockey markets uh, represented there. You could have some uh, a really re unique equipment bag. Whether you're a player or a goalie, they've got them at ProStockHockey.com. Let's get to the guests. We'll start with Brad Schlossman talking college hockey when we come back here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs. Jost racing back at center by himself, and and Joe shooting scores! Tyson Jost does it himself, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. One hope road that my mama showed to me from the moment I first met Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. 
Yo, ding dong, man. Ding dong. Ding dong, yo. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Let's begin this week's episode with a uh, NCAA Campus Report segment. Of course, those are brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility, you can get in contact with College Hockey, Inc. through their website or uh, reach out to Mike Snee or Nate Ewell and they can answer any of the questions that you might have and steer you in the right direction, tell you what you can and can't do to maintain that eligibility. Well, my guest this week to uh, recap the Frozen Four and to look ahead at the uh, long offseason is Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. Brad, welcome back to the program. Let's start looking back at the NCAA tournament. I don't know about for you, but my bracket was absolute trash this year. It's normally not very good, but this year I went over when it came to teams in the Frozen Four, uh, and I'd have to think, for a lot of people, it was a challenge. We had two teams lose to COVID before the tournament even started, although we did have one fantastic game between North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth. What do you think of the tournament and that game in particular? Crazy game. Uh, crazy. You know, a lot of the tournament, we, we we had some some crazy games and moments and circumstances. So uh, I, I guess that kind of lends to this year, but certainly that was one where... Um, you know, it just kept going and going and going, and uh, the team's uh, energy levels, uh, I don't know how they <laughs> how they played that long and, and how they played that long without making uh, an egregious mistake. But you could definitely tell, I think, you know, as the you know second, third overtime uh, went along, that guys weren't expending a ton of energy attacking. Mm. They They were trying to make sure they didn't make a mistake defensively, and there just weren't a lot of guys with a whole lot of gas left. Well, and when that game was over and North Dakota's out, and they were my pick to win this year. I thought they were the best team in college yeah. hockey. But uh, once Minnesota Duluth is going to the Frozen Four, I don't know how you pick against them. And then, of course, they lose uh, against UMass. Um, so everything to me was – it went so far off the board of what I was expecting when it came to predictions. It, it made me feel yeah. like I have absolutely <laughs> no insight at all. Uh, into what was going to happen. I, I don't know. At least you got St. Cloud, you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think North Dakota probably was the best team in college hockey this season. Uh, they were, you know, real deep. And obviously, uh, in the one-game shot, you can lose. Uh, and, of course, it, it probably didn't help that they got their uh, one-game shot. Uh, and it happened to go into five overtimes in a situation where they played the previous night and their opponent did not. Uh, Minnesota Duluth got the bye first round because Michigan uh, had a COVID uh, situation and got disqualified from the tournament. Right. Um, and there, all of a sudden, uh, you have uh, you know Minnesota Duluth able to play its top players uh, longer uh, than North Dakota was, and of course North Dakota lost Grant Mismash in in the second period of that game. So now you're down a forward too, uh, one of your better ones. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think they probably still were, um, you know, Minnesota Duluth, they, they, they had the, <laughs> they had the tournament success. Um, but if you looked at this team as a whole, uh, you know, they really didn't put together any big runs this season. Like at the end of the year, I think their last nine games, they might've won one of them in regulation. So, you know, I, I think people think they, they think back to those previous teams that, you know, uh, were a lot different than this team. 
and and just assume they're going to win because they had pulled out so many of those close games. But, uh, you know, this team certainly was not the same. And so I wasn't really that surprised that UMass beat them. Although once the game went to overtime, you know, what did Duluth won nine consecutive NCAA overtime games. So you're like, well, Duluth's going to win. It's an overtime. This is when they always (laughs) win. But, you know, finally, uh, you know, it, it didn't happen that way. And unfortunately, the uh, the national championship game was uh, sort of a dud. I mean, it was pretty yeah, much a, yep. a, from start to finish, UMass was the best team in that game. Yeah, and you know what? UMass was really good in the second half of the season. You go, going back to January, they finished the season on a, a really incredible run. So they played really well. Uh, that overtime game against Duluth, Remember, they were missing two of their best players of that game. Mm. Uh, they, they were quarantined because of COVID protocol. So they were lose, they missed their starting goalie and their leading goal scorer did not play in that game. Um, and, and they still happen to win, but you know, they are a pretty good team and you know, their, their decor is really good. And when I start looking at some parallels in college hockey, the best teams in college hockey have really been the ones with the best decors. And I think a good argument could be made that North Dakota and UMass had the two best decors in the country this year. And, um, you know, they ended up, uh, North Dakota was the best team during the regular season. UMass was the best team during the postseason. So, um, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for looking at the, you know, who's got uh, what on D. Brad, uh, Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald, my, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the NCAA Campus Report segment. Uh, usually the off season in college hockey, not a whole lot going on. You have the normal uh, freshmen coming in and uh, the guys who are leaving the program to go play pro uh, or or moving on just in other aspects of their life. But this year, even more so in the last four or five years, uh, we've seen the transfer portal being used by seniors. But this year, just taking it to a whole new level. I suspect it's because the, uh, the college uh, rule this year, the NCAA has ruled that this year seniors can come back again for a fifth year because of the whole COVID situation. But the transfer portal is bursting at the seams right now, isn't it, uh, Brad? I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> it is, yeah. They, there are a ton of players in the portal. Um, and I, I think the biggest reason is what you just said. The NCAA ruled this year does not count against anybody's eligibility. So that means all the seniors can come back for a fifth year. Uh, and, and this means this is going to be the same effect the next four years because everyone that played this year, it doesn't count. It's basically a free year. So for the next four years, you're going to have a class of guys that are able to play a fifth year. Ah. And, you know, maybe down the road teams will map that out a little bit more and plan to have a few more fifth year players. But this year, this was popped on them in the middle of the year and where it's all of a sudden, okay, all these guys can come back. Well, most of these teams have already planned on which freshmen are coming next year. So now all of a sudden you have to navigate. You have the same amount of scholarships. You uh, have the same amount of roster spots, more or less. And you have to navigate, well, we planned on losing this many guys and bringing in this many, but now we we might not lose as many because these guys can come back. So how do you fit the pieces together? Hmm. And I think uh, the number one thing I'm noticing of players in the portal um, reading between the lines, a lot of these guys are seniors who their coaches said, look, we don't have a spot for you anymore. We plan on you guys all being gone. We already promised these guys they're coming in. They're ready to come in. Uh, we can't lose them because if we tell them, 
we're not bringing you in. They're going to go to another program. And while it might be nice for them to have that senior for one year, now this recruit is going to be on another team for four years. Yeah, or five. <laughs> um, yeah. Or five, yeah. You know, so so they say, hey, we need to move on. And so then the the senior is saying, well, you know what? I had a lot of fun playing college hockey. I still want to play one more. So I'm going to go in the portal and see if anyone's going to take a take a swing. Um, uh, there are a lot of players who aren't playing at their current program. And, you know, maybe some of them aren't, are going to no longer play college hockey. But before they make that decision, I think a lot of them are throwing their name in and saying, hey, well, I'm just, you know, I, I got cut from this team. I'm going to throw my name in. If someone bites, great. If no one does, then I'll move on. So I, I think while people are focusing on the sheer volume of people in the portal, the majority of them are guys who don't have a home, and it's not by their choice. Now, you do have a number of players who are good players that are looking just for a new opportunity as well. And this is the other big factor, is the NCAA is about to pass the one-time transfer rule, which means in previous uh, years, you had to sit out one year if you transferred, unless you got a waiver granted. Um, Now, you don't need that. That's going to come through by the end of the month. It's expected to. Um, so now all these players don't have to sit out. So that gives some of the underclassmen, well, hey, I, I don't have to sit out. I can go find a new program. Let's do this. Um, and I, I think the sit-out year was something that uh, dissuaded players from transferring. Now that's gone, and you're going to see a few more uh, underclassmen who decide to look for new homes. And there are some of those players in the portal as well. But um, long story short, yes, there are a lot of players in the portal. and teams are trying to navigate uh adding some players and and fitting their roster together for sure i mean 10 years ago we were we didn't see players moving from team to team very much it was rare i mean i i think i can go back and matty tomek i remember was a guy played at north dakota and then wasn't getting the ice time so transferred to omaha right and but had to sit out a year went back to the ushl for a year so if that's not the case now do you expect we'll see underclassmen uh transferring from school to school if you know they're a freshman at a big school and they don't get the ice time they expected they might they might just pack up and go somewhere else i do see that as happening more often uh i I do think we're going to see the the number of transfers we saw five years ago um it will never be that low again it's going to be a new world there are going to be more transfers i also am not yet convinced that it's going to be completely you know, you're, that you're going to be turning over like half your roster every year. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of the way to, in college basketball right now. Uh, the transfers are extremely high. Uh, I'm not quite sold that we're going to see um, that high of a number of transfers in college hockey. Um, but uh, time will tell. Uh, I, I think we are going to see a fair number of it. And I do think coaches when they go into their off season, they're going to leave a scholarship open to grab a transfer. Is this a good thing for college hockey in the long run? Cause I know when we've, we've talked about you and I have talked about it in the past. And whenever I've talked to other people, college hockey people about, you know, players who are weighing their options between major junior and the NCAA, one of the attractive parts of college hockey is you don't have to worry about getting traded and, and things like that. Yep. Um, 
this really changes things, and it and it goes it works for a player as well. Uh, the school has committed to these players, but if the player up and leaves after a year or two years, that kind of puts the the program in a tough spot too. So it can work for or against a team or a program. Is that good for college yeah. hockey? I think it's good for the players. I, I think they have more freedom now. They get to choose where they go. Um, I, I think with college hockey, one of the attractive parts of it is, as you said, you're not, you don't have to worry necessarily about getting traded and you get to choose your school. And if things aren't going well, uh, you can uh, up and leave. Uh, you're not forced to go to one program or whatever. Um, you know, I think you see coaches that jump without penalties. They don't have to stow the year when they jump. And it's tough to justify that to players that say, hey, well, this coach gets to leave, uh, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it gives uh, more freedom to the players. I, I think the other thing it does uh, for the players is if you're a program, uh, you want to run a really good program where guys want to stay. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't just recruit a guy, promise him the world, and then get him on campus and don't have to deliver on those promises. Uh, you know, you better deliver on your promises, otherwise they're going to leave. So I, I think it, uh, you know, brings back a little bit more accountability to the schools. And I, I think it is a, a good thing for the players, even though it will be uh, a tougher adjustment, I think, for some fans that are going to see more turnover. And I think for the programs, it's a little bit tougher. But uh, in the long run, I think there are there could be a lot of good things that come from it. I know when we were talking, you were mentioning the coaches, how they can go from one school to another. and There's no sort of not repercussion necessarily or, or penalty. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if a program fires a coach, all the players committed to play for that program and that coach. So, you know, at the yeah. same time, they yeah. maybe they should have the opportunity to do to move somewhere else if they desire to. Um, so this is another avenue for them to do that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I think that is something that the, now if uh, they commit to a coach that's gone and they, they can say, Hey, look, I, I'm not stuck here. I can uh, go find a new home. And um, perhaps you saw a little bit of that with Colorado college. I, I don't know. You know, every player's uh, situation is unique. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to uh, say this is why he left, but um, you know, when you see a coach leave, I think you will see some players that do transfer along with it. Well, we know that the the big popular schools, they, they have lineup of players wanting to play for them. So North Dakota is never going to have a shortage yeah. of guys who want to go play at North Dakota. And schools that graduate players early to the NHL, like North Dakota has, and this, this year Wisconsin's done that as well, they need to be able to uh, fill their roster with the with talented incoming freshmen, or I guess now they can pluck players from other programs out of the portal. Those programs are not going to suffer. Some of the smaller programs, this could really hurt them, though, couldn't it? I think that you, you'll probably get two completely different opinions from coaching staffs. If you talk to the bigger programs, I think a lot of them, like you said, are going to say, hey, this is you know fine because they're going to get the players. I think you talk to some of the coaches from some of the smaller programs, and, and they're concerned about this. They, they feel that they're going to get a kid, develop him, and then all of a sudden he's going to be gone and he's going to go to one of the bigger programs. Um, you know, look at, uh, you know, in the WCHA, uh, the number of players that were all conference in the WCHA this season that are in the portal right now is very high. 
Um, you know, you've got uh, all those Bowling Green seniors that are leaving. Um, Brandon Cruz is going to Boston College with uh, goaltender Eric Dopp. You've got Connor Ford going to North Dakota. You've got Max Johnson going to uh, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Theotritis, the D-man, uh, is going to Arizona State. So <laughs> a lot of their top players are jumping. You've got uh, Lake Superior State. Their top two scorers are currently in the portal. Uh, their top two defensemen have already announced their transferring. So they have their best year, first NCAA tournament since 1996. Boom, their top players are gone. And mm. I think that is the concern uh, of some of the smaller programs is that, hey, they're going to have a good year, and all of a sudden the big schools are going to pluck their guys. A uh, new look to the uh, college hockey landscape next year. Another new program starting up, the University of St. Thomas. And uh, I know they have uh, uh, a new head coach in Enrico Blasi, who uh, anybody who's been covering college hockey for a while will remember him. Really respected coach. Um, so a nice addition for them. And they've started to make use of this transfer portal as well, haven't they? Yes. And, and that's probably one of the, the teams that the transfer portal is the most attractive to is a program like St. Thomas. They're looking to build their program. Uh, not only can they get experienced college guys out of there, but from the start, they can really uh, diversify their classes. They don't need to have 20 freshmen the first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can have, you know, uh, seven seniors, seven juniors, seven sophomores. You know, they can really split up uh, the the ages of their players, which is which is kind of nice for recruiting purposes. And, and I just think getting experienced college players, you know, they already grabbed Peter Tome, uh, a goaltender from North Dakota who had been the backup the last four years. Uh, but he's a, a good player. Who's a, a Columbus blue jackets draft pick. Um, you know, he's been part of uh, back-to-back uh, NCHC championship teams. And all of a sudden, boom, first year of your program, you have a goaltender that's, uh, been around and been that established. So uh, that definitely has to be something Rico Blasi is excited to to dive into, and he already has. Uh, now, St. Thomas is joining the new CCHA, correct, which starts next year? Correct. Yep, they'll be, uh, they'll be in next season. All right, I haven't seen the whole uh, conference breakdown. So the, the WCHA, uh, yes, the WCHA, what we know this year, is no more, correct? The WCHA, uh, the men's WCHA is over. Uh, there will be nobody left, so it will just be a women's league now. So that is that is uh, very strange for a, a conference that 10 years ago was a powerhouse. All right, so the Alaska schools are, what's the status with them now for next year? Uh, Alaska Fairbanks is planning on playing this season. They've already sketched uh, as an independent uh, they are planning to play a full schedule. They've announced a lot of their games so far, and they say there's more coming. Uh, so things sound pretty good for Fairbanks. Alaska Anchorage is not going to play this season. They are still trying to save their program. Uh, it's not going to happen for this year. If they get the funds to do it, they're going to use this year as a reset year to uh, try to rebuild their program. I think they'll know by the end of the summer uh, if that's going to happen, but obviously you need to know you're playing by this point to get teams to schedule you and to get players to sit there and wait. So right. uh, nothing's going to happen this year for Anchorage. They're not going to play, but they haven't totally given up hope that they're going to have a program uh, 
beyond this year at this point. Huntsville saved their program, but uh, with their conference no longer in existence, are they going to be part of the CCHA? They are not. Uh, you know, I think they're hoping to be part of Atlantic Hockey right now. Okay. So we'll see where those discussions go this summer. Um, and obviously, uh, they really want to be in a, a conference to, to find uh, schedules and uh, other, you know, just have more uh, stability because that's a program that's now announced twice in the last 10 years that they're cutting their program. Mm-hmm. So uh, I still think there are a lot of people that are nervous. Uh, about the future of uh, college hockey in Huntsville. Long Island still going to be independent, or are they also joining Atlantic? Uh, as far as I know, I'm trying to remember now, I think they're still independent. Um, but they they did play an Atlantic hockey schedule last year, and that, that seems like a natural fit for Atlantic hockey, especially geographically. It's, yeah. it's kind of in that neck of the woods. Huntsville is a little bit more of a challenge being uh, so far away and requiring a flight trip. Does Arizona State get to join the Big Ten full-time? I don't see any indication of that yet. Um, I I've still, if you were to say which conference is most likely that Arizona State lands in, uh, I would still put my money on the NCHC. Hmm. Uh, is that imminent to happen? I, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, things can change. Once they get that arena built, I think things change significantly for them. And when is so, that supposed to be? Uh, you know, I that's a good question because it is seems like it has constantly changed. Like you, you keep thinking that it's going to, you know, uh, happen. So I'm kind of like, wait to see, you know, the progress like we're seeing with Ropes and Arena in Colorado Springs, and then I'll kind of uh, set a timeline then. Okay. But at this point, it's, uh, you know, once they get the, the construction going and you can see all the progress, I, I think uh, you're going to see uh, uh, much more realistic possibilities for conferences for Arizona State. And at this point, uh, you know, could be wrong, but my money's still on NCHC as the front runner. And lastly, uh, is St. Thomas the only new program for next season, or should we expect the uh, an announcement from, I don't know, Northeastern or Illinois or something like that, Syracuse? And they're the only one for this upcoming season. Lindenwood wants to have one by 2022. Where's that? Um, they're, uh, that's in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. uh, or, or just in the suburbs of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, they have a Division One women's team. Uh, I think they, they would like to have a Division One men's team. Uh, their coach, uh, I believe, is still Rick Zombo, the uh, former North Dakota defenseman and NHL, longtime NHLer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they do have some credibility uh, there, and I think they would like to have a program in another year. Uh, after that, I think uh, eyes are on Illinois to see if they can get back to where they were pre-pandemic, which was on the verge of announcing that they were going to start D1. They were getting very, very close but the pandemic has set them back. So we'll see if they can get back to there. That's kind of the next one. I think that everyone's watching, you know, Lindenwood and uh, Illinois. I said Northeastern, but not, I didn't mean Northeastern. Is it Northwestern that's uh, also in, in uh, Illinois? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwestern's in the Chicago area. Yep. Yeah, All right. I think, uh, you know, that, that's something that Illinois uh, produces a lot of hockey players. It's one of the top states for producing college hockey players. And there's not a D1 team in the state. So yeah. uh, a program like Illinois Northwestern, 
they could be pretty good pretty fast, kind of like Penn State. It didn't take Penn State long to jump into the uh, solidly into the mix in college hockey and to be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I kind of view uh, the same with the potential Illinois schools. And honestly, I think St. Thomas is going to be a, a real threat in college hockey. They're, it's a it's a nice campus. Uh, I think they're going to pump a lot of money into it. It's in St. Paul. Uh, they can you know recruit a lot of local kids. Um, I, I think they're set up to have success at St. Thomas. And, and their name is just the St. Thomas Tommies. It's not like it's Saint. It's not St. Cloud the Cloudies. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the St. Thomas Tommies. That's kind of a thing. They're in the. They used to be in this other league for their other sports. Uh, and it was like the St. John's, the Johnnies, and uh, the Tommies, and that seemed to be the thing in the Mayak there. Uh, but uh, the the story there was uh, their football program was so dominant, and they were crushing their teams that the, their league actually kicked them out of the league. <laughs> they were like, we don't want you in the league anymore. So so all of a sudden they said, well, what do we do? They decided to go D1. So they're going D1 in all their sports, wow. uh, including hockey. So. A uh, major project for for St. Thomas to to move to Division One, and um, but yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of the St. Thomas fans are are pretty excited about it. Neil Alms. Awesome, Brad. This was uh, we went a long time, but I appreciate uh, everything that you were given because uh, there was a lot of information there. Uh, it's going to be a long off season, but uh, already lots to chew on to get ready for next year. Thanks for doing this, man. Always good to chat with you, Guy. Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald right in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And lots to digest there, as I mentioned, and uh, still want to get your take on the transfer portal and if it's good for college hockey in general and if you think that it benefits mostly players or mostly programs or a healthy dose of both, I'd be interested to hear from you. Maybe I'll make it a question of the week next week. I think that will be my plan. So you'll be able to find that at TPS underscore Gee. Maybe I'll even put it up right now and just make it last for an entire week uh, and uh, get a wide spectrum of uh, of thoughts on that. I think he's right. I think a program like St. Thomas is really going to benefit from a situation like this where they can pluck players from other programs, guys with experience that are going to come in and uh, they've got Division One experience already. That can really speed up the, the evolution of a, of a hockey program like St. Thomas. All right, let's get to the uh, back-to-back 2021 Draft Spotlight segments uh, that are going to uh, close out this week's episode. First up will be Brent Clark. Here's a guy everybody expects to go inside the top 10, a lot of people inside the top 5. Defenseman with the Barry Colts had to go overseas. He went to Slovakia to play this year and had a really productive season there. Now he's getting set to uh, represent Canada at the World U18 Championship down in Texas. Let's get to know Brent Clark next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Lonnie well, wants this hat trick, and he's just going right to the net. Scores! There it is! He wanted it! He got it! <laughs> Give him five points! Hey, it's Gabriel Valetti of the Windsor Spitfires, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. 
Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. He fights like an old lady. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to turn on the 2021 draft spotlight and chat with another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Big news this week uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. No season. Uh, it is official now that they will not play in the OHL. Uh, news in the WHL, there's not going to be playoffs, but at least they got 24 games in, and the Q has been trying to play all season. Uh, but unfortunately for the OHL guys, most of them won't have a chance to uh, show NHL scouts what they can do. My next guest did and will again next week as we bring in Brant Clark of the Barry Colts. Uh, Brant, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time, and uh, and I appreciate Hockey Canada making you available as well. It, exciting for you that you get to be on the ice here uh, next week. What's what's the opportunity to play in the in the U18s? What does that mean to you? Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. it uh, I'm with a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends. A lot of the familiar faces are on this team, so uh, it's gonna be really fun. You know, uh, obviously, like you were saying, hockey's shut down. Not just in the OHL right now, but uh, ice rinks and gyms everywhere in Ontario kind of shut down right now. So the fact that I'm kind of skipping out on that, and we're all here in Dallas, and we're about to start a big tournament, uh, and we're hoping to do really well. And yeah, it's all it's all going to be pretty fun, and I'm really looking forward to this experience. Reflect on what it means for the OHL guys. You got a lot of friends, you know, teammates back in Barry who don't get to play, and um, there are a lot of guys who didn't. You know, there's some teammates here with Team Canada that didn't get to play at all this year so it was a, a tough season for everybody around the OHL wasn't it absolutely yeah it's devastating you know there's some uh there's some guys last year that had huge jumps in the OHL like for example my one of my good friends Jack Quinn you know he was uh if he didn't if, imagine if uh he didn't get his draft year he would have went uh, a lot later than he did he went ended up going overall because he had a huge draft year and you know that could have been someone else this season there was there was that opportunity there and now that's uh it sucks that we're shut down but you know I guess health and safety always comes first and if they didn't think it was safe safe to go, then it is what it is. And uh, I'm just hoping we we get everything uh, get everything uh, we we make sure everything's uh, all good throughout the summer. And uh, I just, just want to be back in Barry in August. And uh, hopefully next season there's uh, there's no bumps in the road. Absolutely, uh, Brand Clark is my guest. Now you got to go over and play overseas, and there were a handful of other guys in that same situation who who got to play. Uh, a little bit uh, professionally overseas. Uh, how did that all come together for you? Yeah, so it was kind of a weird experience. Uh, we were just kind of waiting out, like, earlier in the season. We didn't know what the OHL was saying. Um, so we kind of just, it was kept getting delayed. So uh, I was looking overseas to places like uh, Sweden, Finland, Germany, uh, those kind of places. And then it all kind of fell through. Nothing really worked out too well. So, And then once my brother returned from uh, the World Junior Camp, uh, this team of Slovakia, uh, offered me and uh, me and my brother to play play together in in Slovakia. So we kind of just jumped at that opportunity. We just packed our bags and Christmas Day we ha- head off. We headed off uh, to Slovakia and it was um yeah it was a journey. It was like a day long trip, but it was it was good to be there. And um, 
it was good to be there with my brother too because it was kind of had a guy on the team living with me going through the exact same experience and it being my brother so obviously i could talk to him about anything and we're best friends so it was it was really fun he could only stay for a month which was unfortunate you know uh we were, that was what that was the whole point of us going over there is to play together but uh he had a big opportunity in binghamton to hopefully impress the the new jersey devils to have him on the have him on the big squad in the near future so he's actually doing really well for himself so i'm really happy that he's there now but uh yeah i was kind of i was kind of left alone in uh, slovakia for the last two months but um the whole organization was great you know i was really happy i made a lot of good friends there were some other canadian guys on the team and i made a lot of good friends and playing professional hockey is obviously a huge jump and i think it improved my development a lot and uh, i think i showed myself off pretty well and um yeah i'm all i'm just really happy about uh the experience i'd never thought i'd be able to play in europe and then uh obviously being able to go in my draft year i definitely didn't think that was a possibility but yeah. um you know it was i think i i think i made the right choice and i think i i'm yeah i'm just really happy with the outcome you know i i made a lot of like i said i made a lot of friends and it was it was just an overall great time and it was a great experience uh I, maybe i don't ever do again as long as i did it once in my life i can say i did it once in my life and uh I have a lot of great memories, and I'm just really, uh, really fortunate for that opportunity. For the audience that might not be aware, Graham Clark is uh, your older brother, and uh, yes, you're yes, right in, in Binghamton right now. Nine points in 18 games uh, at the time you and I are talking. So uh, yeah, uh, having having a lot of success at the AHL level right now. And unfortunately, you didn't get to play longer together. But was that the first time that you guys would uh, be able to play together? Um, you look back at as kids growing up in minor hockey, I think the age gap is, is probably enough that you didn't get that chance very often, if at all. Yeah. We never, we never played like sanctioned hockey together when we were younger. So yeah, getting, getting the chance to go over there. That was like the main, uh, the main reason, like I said, it was just, we only got six games in together, but you know, that was really fun. He kind of, having him there really helped me get comfortable. You know, I had, um, I had him right there when I was, I, I kind of came up to a slow start. I was kind of having a tough time adjusting, but having him there and listening to my, like, listening to my problems almost <laughs> and having him there to like, uh, kind of walk me through the whole thing. And then, then he took off and then, but I, I, then I felt really comfortable. I felt more comfortable with the teammates. I felt more comfortable with the coaches. And then, uh, yeah, I'm just really thankful for, uh, everything he did for me, you know, everything he has done for me, everything he did do for me. It's, uh, I wouldn't be where I am in my career and I'm just, uh, and for those six games, I was very fortunate to uh, be able to look across the bench and uh, see uh, see his face. 15 points in 26 games over there for you. And as you mentioned, it's a step up. Obviously, you're playing professionally uh, against men. Is that the big biggest difference is, you know, you're, you're battling for a position in front of the net with bigger, stronger guys and in the corners and things like that? I imagine the pace of play is a little uh, uh, higher than it was in the OHL as well. Absolutely. Yeah, these guys are faster, smarter. Um, stronger yeah like the first couple games i was getting knocked on my ass really quite often like almost every shift you know going in the corners like in the ohl i used to just be able to uh, stick with the guy turn up the puck up the other way but now i had to learn to get better body position i had to learn that i I, maybe i'll be in that battle a bit longer than i'd like but i have to have to figure out how to come out with the puck so yeah i think it's it really did help my development in terms of that i like i said um i am known for like an offensive like having like that offensive flair i'm known for my offensive abilities but i think i really rounded out my my two-way game i think i became a lot stronger in my defensive zone and uh just uh by sh- shutting guys down and like um just tying up sticks better in front of the net and mm-hmm. i still think i did uh, i did all that offensive stuff that i'm known for over there but uh yeah just just my own my own uh, defensive zone play i think took uh leaps and bounds of uh of development 
Fantastic. Brent Clark uh, of the Barry Colts and the, uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? The Nova Zamke? Nova Zamke, yeah. Nova Zamke. And what were they called? The Bulls? Nova Zamke Bulls, yeah. Awesome. Uh, from the Slovakian League. Uh, he's my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we get to know another player that's eligible for the 2021 NHL Draft. Uh, what we always like to do in this segment, uh, Brant, is kind of introduce my audience to somebody that's in your position. And there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't pay any attention to junior hockey uh, who will download a segment like this uh, when it comes to the draft. So for the benefit of those people, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, where are you from? Uh, yeah, you said uh, don't pay attention to junior hockey. I probably, they probably don't pay too much attention to Slovakia. Exactly, here, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm from Nepean, Ontario. Uh, yeah, born and raised in uh, Nepean, Ontario, which is just a suburb of Ottawa. All right, and uh, we know we talked about your older brother already. I, I have an older brother as well. He's, he's four years older than I am, so not quite a little bit more of a gap uh, for me than it was uh, for, for you and Graham. But when you were a kid, was it? Just whatever Graham was doing, you wanted to do too, and was that something that led you into hockey? Pretty much, yeah. He, like I said, he's helped me so much along the way. Like when we were younger, like when he would go on the outdoor rink with his friends that are two years older than I am, I, I'd be out there, and I, I wouldn't want to stick out like a sore thumb and like right. bring the pace of play down. I would have to work. I'd have to work super hard to not like uh, not look like a, not be one of the worst player out there. So even that helped my development. You know, I've always been trying to like keep up with older with bigger guys older guys and that's why and i think that's uh one of the main reasons i am where i am so yeah i def- he definitely uh ever since we were young just just helped me in, even in uh starting up hockey it's, it's uh, i have a lot to lot to thank him for now he's a forward year defenseman uh, were you always on the blue line or did you try other positions uh when you were younger i was a I was a d-man until like adam hockey which is like right after novice uh yeah adam hockey it's because my dad was my coach and then I, yeah, I was a forward. I think I was a, I was a right winger. Um, yeah, and then I the problem was I would just always wait for my D to like head man the puck to me, and I always just be sitting at the blue line for these like nine year old defensemen to like get me the puck. So my dad just thought thought the idea of why don't I just get the puck? Why don't I just skate it up the ice? Why am I not the one back there? So yeah, he made that uh, he made that choice for me to go back there, and I just lo- loved it, and I just got to hold on to the puck more, had more time to make make moves and whatnot. So yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I, I do have a little bit of forward instincts in me from my younger age, but um, I am proud to say that uh, I made that I made that swap, and I think it's uh, I think it was definitely definitely the right call. Yeah, it seems like it's been working out pretty well for you, Brant Clark. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is my guest, uh, a fourth overall pick in the uh, OHL a priority selection uh, back in 2019. So you didn't have to wait all that long uh, to hear your name uh, being uh, called out by the Barry Colts. Uh, what was that first year like for you in, in terms of, I mean, 38 points in 57 games, it's a, obviously a, a great rookie season, but there's a lot of pressure on a player being taken that high in a draft. Did you feel that pressure? Uh, yeah, I would say I felt that pressure kind of. There was a lot of a lot of expectations. and You know, I I didn't have the greatest of beginnings. You know, I, I don't, don't think I scored till like the 30th game of the season. You know, I just mm. kind of learned, uh, learned the ways of the ropes, kind of just uh, listen to the older guys, just... Um, making the simple play every time, making sure I wasn't, uh, wasn't getting burned in my D zone. So I'd always be like, I'd always be the last man back just to make sure like I was, I was good in the coach's eyes. And then, uh, we actually had a coaching change and then our new coach just said like, you know, he had all the face in the world of me. He just wanted me to go out there and just, uh, to do what I could do. And because he, he knew what, that I, I had special abilities, I guess that, uh, I, I, he didn't feel like I was using them the best of my ability. So, they kind of just flipped the switch in the first game with the new coach. I scored my first goal and then it kind of just 
went uphill from there. In the last like 24 games, I was like a point per game. So yeah, that that was a big uh, big confidence booster for me going into my draft year. And then obviously it wasn't with Barry, but it was with Slovakia. And uh, yeah, I felt like I had a lot more confidence and I felt like uh, a lot more comfortable in um, the way I play, I guess. It's got to be a mental uh, struggle. At at first, you talked about a slow start. You're, I mean, you're a guy who had 113 points and 35 goals. You're a year prior. And then when you get off to a slow start, it must have been really tough just from a mental perspective. Like, why? how come it's not translating at this next level and, and things like that? How do you get over that? Yeah, absolutely. It was a mental battle. You know, I was contemplating, like, what's going on here? Why am I not, uh, why am I not producing like I did? But... Uh, you know, I kind of just weathered that storm. I just, uh, I just kind of knew like if I play the right way, good things are gonna happen. It has happened my whole life, and I, I knew if I just kept doing the right thing, uh, it would, uh, it would eventually uh, turn out positive for me. And I guess it did. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was I, I had had to learn the way of the ropes at the start, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't an offensive juggernaut by any means. But uh, I think, uh, I think I really turned the tables at that midway point, and I just kind of, kind of took off. I guess you could say. U17s last year, six points in five games. So when you're playing with your peers, that's got to be a confidence booster too, to know that, you know, at that level, when you're surrounded by guys your age, you're a dominant player. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that tournament was a lot of fun. Uh, I had some familiar faces on that team. They're Brennan Offman and Shane Wright, two guys that are on my team in this U18 tournament as well. And mm-hmm. they were on my Don Mills team. So I felt really comfortable on that team. And yeah, we it was a fun, uh, fun tournament. Uh, I think I did pretty good for myself. Um but yeah, it was, like you said, it, uh, that was a big confidence booster too. Being like, okay, if I'm uh, I, in terms of my old age group, I'm still I still am one of the top dogs. So that kind of helped me when I went back to the OHL. It was like, hey, uh, you know, I, I I got this. You know, it, maybe it was a full start, but we're gonna we're just gonna go out from here, and it, it did. Now, in a normal year, you know, you, you're deep into the OHL playoffs at this point, and you're not available for the U18. So. Not only do you get to go play in Europe during your your draft year, but you get an opportunity to play at the U18s that you might not normally get in a regular season as well. So how do you capitalize on a chance like this? Yeah, this term is going to be big for a lot of guys. Like you said, uh, Canada doesn't always have their best uh, possible team when they come to this tournament because of the CHL playoffs. And I guess we still don't really have our best available team because the QMJHL guys aren't here. But uh, still, you know, me having this opportunity, I I don't, personally don't think I would have been here because our Barry team is looking really strong this season and I think we could have made a run for it but um, yeah now that I am here I'm looking to this is the the, the final showing for all these draft eligibles so we're all looking to kind of have a put on a show put a, uh, put in a last uh, last mark on our on our draft stock so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it like I said I think we're one of the favorites if we all if we all buy in and all do the right things uh, I think we're all going to we're all going to up our draft stock. We're all going to show how how dominant we are. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I think we're gonna we're gonna do pretty well this tournament. Speaking of the draft, how much have you been thinking about that uh, over the course of this season? I know most guys tell me they try not to think about it at all, but other guys tell me they they're always checking out the rankings and seeing where they are because they they use that as a motivator. Uh, what about for you, Brent? Yeah, I'd say I, I keep a good eye on it. I know where people people think of me. Uh, I like to know where, what people think of me. Um, you know, I like like you said, it is motivation. Like I, I don't like being not. Uh, I I just have that kind of mentality that I I want to be number one. You know, I, I've always wanted to be the best. I want to go first overall. I want that. I want. Uh, I want to play in the NHL next season. Like I want to do all these things in my life. And to say to see people say that uh, I'm not there yet, it it is demoralizing. And uh, 
yeah, like you said, I use that as motivation. Uh, uh, I guess that uh, that just makes me want to have an even better tournament here and uh, just prove these people wrong and prove that I deserve to be in, in that spot. Everybody has you in the top 10. Most people have you in the top five. A lot of people have you in the top three. And there are people who think you can go first overall. Why is it important to you personally to, to go first overall? I mean, if you don't and you're the second or fourth guy, are you, I mean, is that a, a big blow to your ego? What is it? I wouldn't say it's a blow to my ego. Uh, you know, it's just the way things go. You know, I, I feel like if I wasn't Barry this season, then I would have been in a comfortable environment and I would have uh, shown what I could do. And I, in the full 68 game season, I think I would, it would, uh, it wouldn't be up for debate anymore. You know, I, I've said that. Uh, I, other people have said that. That that's what that's just kind of the mentality that I have. But um, yeah, if if people say that uh, you know I don't belong in the top five, don't belong in the top three, you know. It, it's it's their opinion. They're allowed to think what they want. I'm just gonna I'm gonna show what I can do on the ice. And if some people think that's that's amazing and they wanna they wanna say good things about me, and if some people watch watch the like critically analyze me and say bad things about me, then you know that's their opinion too. Uh, it's it it doesn't it doesn't really phase me because I know what I can do. I know where I belong, and I know uh, I have my own expectations for me. So yeah, if uh, like you said, if I if I don't go first overall, it's not the end of the world. I still feel like in a regular year, I could have, and I should have, and if if I don't, I should have. Then, um, but I still feel like it's uh, it's it's not the end of the world, you know, especially especially the the situation that we're in. Well said, Brant. Uh, before I let you go, give me a self scouting report. You, you said you really know what you can and you, you, what your positives and your strengths are, and I'm sure there are areas of game that you still want to improve on. But you know, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play. How would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I, I like to call myself like a two-way defenseman, but I also have that like offensive ability that not too many D have. You know, I like to think um, I like to think uh, like I'm known for uh, my offensive abilities, joining the rush, getting shots through from the point. But I think I also have a really good underrated stick, like underrated defensive stick. Uh, mm-hmm. I transition pucks really quickly. Like uh, if, if they're coming in three on two, I feel like I can break it up pretty nicely. And, get the, the other team on their heels, make uh, make us start going a three-on-two or maybe four-on-two if I want to get up there. So I feel like that's those are my best attributes, you know, just uh, turning the play up quickly and uh, getting shots to the point. Like one thing I pride myself on is not getting shots blocked. Uh, I feel like um, whether I need a – whether I have time to take a big slap shot from the point or whether I have to throw another head fake in and take a few steps to get around the forward that's trying to block the shot, that's, I, I feel like I do that pretty effectively. Just to, It doesn't even have to be a bomb all the time if I just can get a – Nice little wrister on net just to create some havoc in front of the net, create a bit of chaos. Uh, I feel like that's a good way to generate offense. So I think that's uh, that's another one of uh, strong attributes that I have. Uh, Sheet, I'm looking at says 6'1", 181 pounds, but uh, that might be out of date. What are you at right now? I'm at 6'2", 190. Yeah, that's uh, that's for my or like uh, first week in my OHL 16 uh, year old season. So I've definitely <laughs> uh, definitely grown a little bit. Now, I know the Combine, who knows what's going to happen, if they'll have a Combine or whatever, but have teams been reaching out and chatting with you all season? Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, we have, I have Zoom calls pretty regularly. Yeah. It's nice to hear from these people. You know, these are people that are pretty highly regarded in, in the hockey world, and they're compliment, complimenting me on how I play. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice to, for these people to reach out. But nothing too serious yet. Nothing like... <laughs> uh, like we're going to take you or anything like that. You know, it's kind of the early stages, the, the more intense conversations happen prior to the draft, like the, in the weeks prior to the draft, but uh, just the initial analyzing as uh, it's been, it's gone pretty good and I'm uh, no complaints. And like I said, it's, it's pretty flattering to hear from uh, these, these high ups in the hockey world. 
Well, you're going to take those interviews and knock them out of the park like you did with this one, Brent. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, best of luck at the, at the World U18s, and uh, I hope we can uh, chat again after the draft one day. Awesome. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out. This was great. Brent Clark, and I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of Brent Clark play because obviously there wasn't a whole lot of hockey this year, but being that he's in the OHL, I don't get to see him a whole lot, but uh, his stock just went up, up, up after uh, that conversation. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with him. I thought he was funny. I also like a guy who uh, knows what he can and can't do, what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. I like the confidence he has. I like that he he just outright admitted that he looks to see where he's ranked and uses it as motivation because I, you know, I, I think a lot of players say they don't, but that's not exactly true. So uh, I like that. I, I, I liked everything about um, what he brought to that interview and uh, I'm intrigued to watch him play next week for Canada at the world U18. Another guy who's going to be there is Chase Stillman also from the OHL. Another guy who went overseas, although briefly, uh, to play a little bit this year, but uh, this is his big showcase before the NHL draft. So let's get to know Chase Stillman of the Sudbury Wolves and Team Canada next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. For Strom, Strom looking back to break it, fires and scores! There's number 50 on the season for Alex Dabrinkit. They'll pick up that pocket with wired. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but... Tell the people about it. The vacation Mexican lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I see you like to chew. Maybe you should chew on my fist. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we'll end this week's episode with another 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. We just heard from Brant Clark of the Barry Colts uh, getting ready to represent Canada at the World U18 down in Texas. And uh, so is my next guest, uh, who normally would play for the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL, but uh, not this year. And unfortunately, we know what's happened with the OHL for the rest of the season. Now confirmed, no season for the OHL. Well, my next guest did get eight games in overseas. We'll talk to him about that. But Chase Stillman, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you, Chase? No, I'm good. No, thanks for having me. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. And I, I, I have to think not just you, but a lot of the uh, the guys on Team Canada right now are chomping at the bit to get on the ice because a lot of you haven't played a whole lot this year. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we just finished our second practice. And, you know, our first practice was pretty sloppy. You know, some of the guys haven't been on the ice in a couple months or you know, however long they could, they were off for. So uh, we were sloppy the first one and, 
you know, the second one was a lot better. But you can tell the OHL guys were a little bit step behind in that game speed. But, you know, we're starting to figure it out. Uh, who are you playing with, or is that still a, a work in progress and the coaching staff kind of throwing everybody together and trying to figure it out? For the first two practices, I've been, uh, it can always change, but I've been practicing with uh, McTavish and Bedard. Okay, perfect. We, we, we've gotten to know Connor Bedard here in the in the West pretty quickly. Uh, as he was lighting the WHL on fire as a 15-year-old, and I know Shane Wright did that last year in the OHL, but you're getting to see a guy like that up close now. Uh, what sort of impression has he made on you? Yeah, no, he's great. Uh, he was a shy kid when he first came in, and uh, you know, me and McTavish are kind of open characters, so <laughs> we opened him up a little bit, and he turned into a pretty funny guy. So, uh, but yeah, being able to see his skill and uh, you know his hard work up front is pretty cool, and uh, you know he deserves all the hype that he receives. Perfect, uh, Chase. Uh, this opportunity to play at the U18 normally in a in a regular OHL season, you'd probably be tied up in the playoffs right now, so you wouldn't get this mm-hmm. chance. So, so what is? How do you kind of make the most of this opportunity? Yeah, no, for sure. So, with the season being canceled, it was definitely my uh, or you know postponed or whatever it was. It was definitely my main priority was to play on this team, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get the call. So, um, all the leagues being shut down, you know, we're gonna have a pretty pretty good squad here. Uh, at this tournament for the probably the first time in a long time and uh that way they can have all the guys that they want so besides the Q guys of course but yeah i know i'm looking forward to it and you know seeing what this team can do in in the game situation is there a, an air of uh importance about you know are, are guys putting a lot of pressure on themselves and that could be a, a danger but a lot of guys this is all they've got to show nhl scouts uh before the draft but you can't put too much pressure on yourself or you're gonna not play well yeah, no, it's different for sure. And, you know, I kind of follow into that category where this is my kind of last kick of the can to show the NHL scouts what I'm about. And, um, you know, it's it's difficult in that sense when you really start to think about it, but it's just like any other game. Uh, you know, if you're playing the OHL or CHL, it doesn't matter where you're playing that. There's going to be scouts at every game, and uh, it's going to just gonna be like that here. So uh, we kind of got to take it one game at a time and, you know, just play the best that we can. There were a few OHL guys who were able to go overseas and, and get some games in, uh, and you were one of those guys. Only eight for you. I know I mentioned uh, I had Brian Clark on yesterday. You had 25 or 26 uh, playing in Slovakia. You got to go to Denmark, uh, and you were playing. That was on a U20 squad, correct? Yeah, so it was U20, but it was actually a little different. So they're allowed. They were allowed like I don't know, five to ten guys under the age of 25. So it was, it was U20, but it was kind of it was almost more like U25. It was different. That is, um, that and that was weird. a really good experience. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird. I didn't understand that at the start, but, um, no, it was a great experience. Um, I, I played well there and I, was, I think it was two points per game. So yeah. Yeah, the kind of the, the off season work paid off there. Um, you know, I'm just kind of hoping that it was here. Uh, now why only eight games? What time of year did you go over? So I went over there in December and, um, played, you know, practice there a lot. And I practiced with a pro team. I was actually so kind of supposed to play there. And then they kind of run into trouble with the import cards. Hmm. So I had to go down to the U20, which was not a problem. Just say, I think you get games really. And, uh, yeah, COVID kind of hit there pretty bad. So they had to shut it down. And then I came back, I believe December 22nd ish. So right before Christmas. All right. And haven't uh, been able to play at all since it just are you able to like get in some pickup games or something like that or were rinks shut down in ontario yeah so i wasn't able to get anything in ontario and then you know my dad is coaching the arizona coyotes right now so i went right. down to Phoenix with him and my mom and everything's open there so i was able to get on the ice a little bit before this tournament probably not as much as i'd like to but um yeah i kind of got to work with that and 
you know, now kind of kicking the rust off here still with the with the game, the, the pace here. And, uh, yeah, it's gonna, I'm going to be ready to go when the day game start. Chase Stillman uh, from the Sudbury Wolves and Team Canada here ahead of the World U18. He's my guest on the Pipeline Show in the 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, Chase, we like to let our audience get to know somebody who is uh, draft eligible like you are this year, and there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who download a segment like this right before the draft. They might not even be junior fans at all, so they might not have ever seen you play with the Sudbury Wolves. Now, they're, they're going to recognize the name, obviously, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, maybe let's get a bit of background. Where are you from? Yeah, so I was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri at the time uh, when my dad was playing there for the Blue. So my childhood was kind of all over the map when he was playing uh, in the NHL, uh, but most of my childhood was in Peter, Ontario, so that's where I grew up and played. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you consider to be your hometown because, you know, as you as you mentioned, your your dad, Corey Stillman, who uh, was with St. Louis at the time that uh, that you were born. I, I know him mostly as a Calgary Flame, by being that I'm in Edmonton. So uh, we obviously uh, saw him a lot, but uh, played in Carolina and Tampa and Florida. So you were you moved around a lot when you were a kid. Uh, the only time I really remember was uh, when I lived in Florida, and that was my dad's last couple of years in the show there. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely would call consider Peterborough my hometown. It's where I spent most of my childhood, and, you know, that's where all the memories are. So, In the OHL priority selection, your second-round pick, 25th overall by the by the Wolves, was uh, your dad with the Wolves at that point? Yeah, so he coached, uh, I think, a season or two uh, prior to that. And, you know, it was kind of that special opportunity. So, uh, he was able to take me, and, you know, we kind of had that father-son relationship that most people aren't able to experience in that high quality of hockey mm-hmm. so it was pretty cool i know other kids have been in that same situation where their dad might work for the team and and in some case and i'm thinking of keegan Lowe, uh who's kevin Lowe's kid uh, in the nhl when he was nhl draft eligible he told his dad not to draft him with the oilers because mm-hmm. he didn't want to have that sort of that connection because some people might look at it weird was that ever a thought for you um yeah for sure uh that was kind of a that we had to process and it was it was kind of a family dis- decision before that where it was like if you are available chase like do you want us to take you and i said like yeah i thought we were able to work that out but that's after the nhl well i wanted to draft him and my dad was working for player development there at the time and he said to not to draft him or he asked my dad to tell uh ronnie francis at the mm-hmm. time and so yeah we kind of had that but we we thought it was a good idea. It was you know probably the last time that we might able ever be able to do that, and be for him to coach me. And you know we took advantage of it. Uh, I'm interested to know that your dad was a forward. Riley, your older brother, is a defenseman. Uh, did you at younger levels did you try the blue line or have you always been a forward? No, I've always been a forward. Uh, I definitely like scoring goals too much. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I've always had that kind of relationship with, with my dad that we're both forwards. So. Yeah, I never really touched D. I think I might have played a few games in Florida when like we had only like nine guys on our team, and I'd go back there. But no, uh, Florida's definitely where my heart's at. Now there's what about five, five and a half years difference between you and Riley? Yeah, me and Riley are five years apart. All right. in '98 and I'm in 2003. So obviously you never played on the same team or anything like that growing up. But when you hit the uh, the outdoor rink, uh, you, and you're going one on one against him, him being the defenseman, who wins that battle? <laughs> Yeah, it was tough. Riley definitely, Riley used to pound me at the start. Uh, he'd whoop me like 10 nothing or whatever when I was younger. You know, he was a lot older and obviously a lot better than me at the time. But now it's different because 
um, you know, I, I might have the moves to put on him, but then also then he's the D, so it, it's tough. So it's kind of hit or miss who's going to win out there. 34 points in your rookie season, 13 of those were goals. How do you feel about year one in the OHL? Um, yeah, you know, it wasn't bad. I uh, definitely wish I could have scored 50 or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, lo- looking back on it, I think I did well with what I got. And, you know, even my dad being a coach, I didn't play any power play. I didn't play penalty kill. So um, I had 33 five on five points. And, you know, one of them was on the power play, and we got thrown out there with like 10 seconds left against Barry. And I was in front and went off my skate to somebody, and I got a phantom assist. But, so yeah, I pretty much all my points were five on five. So, I look back on that, and I definitely think I could add a couple more on the special teams. So I think I was happy with the way it went, but uh, never too satisfied. That's really interesting. All right, uh, Chase, with the uh, the U18 round right around the corner, we talked about the importance of it before the draft. Has the draft been something that's uh, been on your mind? I always tell the guys, most of the players I talk to, they say they don't think about the draft because it could be a distraction. But there are those and yesterday, actually, Brent told me that he's a guy who likes to see where he's ranked because he uses it as a motivator. What about for you, Chase? Yeah, I think the guys that say that they don't think about it, I definitely say that's not true. <laughs> um, it's always in the back of your mind that the draft's coming up. And, uh, you know, Clark, he's being a dick. He, he knows where he's going. He's going to probably be a top 10 pick for sure. Uh, we always joke around. Uh, yeah, he's actually a good buddy of mine. And we've played on each other's teams for, for a couple years now at these tournaments. And uh, it's always in the back of your mind. Um, and, you know, you never know where you're going to go or where you're going to end up. So, um, and no, it's just, it, it really is a special time. And anytime you get drafted to the NHL, it's, it's a, it truly is an honor. Does it matter what round you're, you're chosen in outside of, you know, pride and bragging rights to be able to say you're a first round pick? Does it really matter if you're first, second, third, seventh round pick? Because it's really just an opportunity, right? You still got a lot of work ahead of you. Yeah, for sure. Just uh, I, I'd like to go in the first round. You know, I'd like to be a first round pick, and I think, you know, I do have the, the potential to do that. And um, but to be totally honest, it doesn't matter where you end up. You know, you're just another name on the board, and every pick there is an invite to camp. And then every day you're gonna have to try to take somebody else's job, and uh, the league before that, that people are gonna try to take yours. So it's just that kind of continuous cycle of, you know, having to improve every day. And, you know, when it comes to the draft that, you know, you're just an invite. So you got to be, you got to be good every day to crack that squad. Chase, what's uh, how would you describe yourself as a player? If you can give us a, a self-scouting report for those of us who haven't had the chance to watch you play. Uh, I'd say I'm more of an offensively gifted forward. Um, you know, I like to score goals and make plays. But then again, I kind of bring that grit and compete level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to hit and run people over and, and fight last year. So I, I was thinking I was tied in you know, HL for most fights. And uh, so I kind of bring that kind of grit to the game. And um, that'd be pretty much it. Awesome. Well, a, a gritty forward that uh, is, quote, un- uh, no, what did you say? Offensively gifted. I like that. That's a, yeah. an awesome uh, adjective for sure. Uh, looking forward to seeing you play at the at the U18. Whatever happens to the draft, I hope we can uh, chat again one day. And hopefully our phone line will be better that day. Yeah, for sure. That's probably my fault. Yeah, I'm tell here. So, yeah, I'm looking forward and hopefully I'll be able to chat again. That was Chase Stillman from the Sudbury Wolves. Apologies about the uh, cell phone connection. He was in a hotel down in Texas, and we uh, we actually hung up and uh, tried to reconnect and didn't get a whole lot better. But uh, for the most part, I think you uh, were able to really hear how excited he is for the tournament, first off, and just the, the, the passion and the drive he has for playing the game. I, he's an intriguing player for me because 
you, you know, with that Stillman last name, you know there's going to be hustle and talent and skill and determination as part of his uh, DNA. And I, I didn't know that he was that big of a fighter, but clearly something that he loves uh, to add to his mix. And he's uh, got that offensive upside as well. So this is an intriguing package for me. And where he's ranked right now, most I think most people have him as a second rounder. But you can hear the, you know, he's mentioned now driven he is to try to get into that first round conversation this is a big tournament for him and for players who are you know coming into this uh, this event who haven't had a chance to play much but that risk of uh, small sample size is there definitely the scouts listen they're smart they they this is their job they know what they're doing uh, so they're not going to uh, put too much stock into seven or eight game tournament like this but at the same time it's an important event I'm interested to hear who you're watching for at the World U18. You can text me, not text me, you can tweet at me, at TPS underscore Gee. That does it for this week's show. That means it's cleanup time. Stop wiping, start washing your butt. Get yourself a bidet. HelloTushy.com slash Pipeline. Automatic 10% off just for including Pipeline in that URL. It's one of the uh, best gifts that my wife has uh, purchased. And I guarantee you we won't uh, be without a bidet Moving forward, whether we're in the current location that we're at or the next house we buy, uh, it will have a bidet for sure from hellotushy.com slash pipeline. There's a reason why bidets are so popular around the world. For some reason, hasn't really picked up here in North America yet, but once you try it, you will, uh, you're not going to go back. Next week on the show, obviously the U18s will be underway, so that'll be a focus of the program. Uh, I am scheduled to speak with Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com as their recent uh, ranking has been uh, released and some interesting developments in their top 32. Some other irons in the fire uh, with uh, in terms of guests that I'm trying to secure for next week. But I think if it all comes together, it's going to be a fantastic show. So I'm looking forward to that next week. Until then, a reminder that you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash show. As soon as I have those guests secured, I'll let you know. You'll have advance notice of who's coming up on the show and the ability to submit questions for those guests. And then when the interviews are done, I post the uh, the audio right there on the Patreon page. So you'll have uh, the ability to hear that conversation about an hour after it's over and about three or four days sometimes uh, before anybody else in the world. So if you like sneak peeks, you can get early access here for the Pipeline Show as well at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. Until next week, everybody, take care of each other, treat each other with kindness. I know uh, parts of the world are still uh, having difficulty with the, the global pandemic and quite honestly, even places that the, the vaccination has is well underway. I've got mine. My wife has hers. My daughter's been vaccinated with the first poke. Uh, but the um, vaccination doesn't mean that you can't get covid really improves your uh, chances of surviving it, uh, but does not mean that you cannot still come down with it. So take care, remain vigilant, and just continue to treat each other with kindness and respect. Until next week, everybody, enjoy the weekend. My name is Guy Flaming. See ya!